everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Heart Podcast. Today, we are talking about sudden cardiac death and whether we can predict it from a simple 12-lead ECG. I'm joined on the program in a few minutes by Dr. Artu Holkarai, who is a practicing cardiologist from Helsinki in Finland, and he discusses his paper all about five significant ECG abnormalities that have been linked with sudden death and how best to combine these into a risk score. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Perhaps you can start off by introducing yourself, Artu, for the heart audience. Uh, I'm Dr. Artu Holkeri. I'm a cardiologist in training and I'm currently working at Pajatama Central Hospital in Lahti, Finland. And Artu, along with uh, many co-authors, you recently published uh, an original research paper in heart which was called Predicting Sudden Cardiac Death in a General Population Using an Electrocardiographic Risk Score. Artu, can you talk a little bit about sudden cardiac death and how common is that at the moment? Yeah, so uh, sudden cardiac death or SCD is uh, one of the leading causes of death in the world. And, uh, well, the exact epidemiological data on SCDs is limited to the abrupt nature of SCDs, in addition to the varying definition and case assertments in the studies. Uh, but these limitations considered, uh, SCDs are estimated to account for around 5 to 20% of all deaths. And consequently, the incidence of SCD is estimated to be around 40 to 100 per 100,000 person years. And what's the background to your study? What made you want to research this question using ECGs? Yeah, so a major portion of subjects who suffer an SCD either do not have previously diagnosed cardiac disease, uh, with the SCD being the first manifestation, or have a diagnosed cardiac disease, but whose SCD risk is estimated to be low with current risk certification tools. Uh, so the problem is that uh, at the moment we are unable to identify uh, these general population subjects who will eventually have an SCD from the large group of subjects who will have a benign prognosis. And what we wanted to do was to investigate whether we could improve the SCD risk assessment in the general population uh, by combining several known ECG risk markers into a cumulative risk score. Okay, and what methods are currently used for predicting sudden cardiac death, or SCD as we're going to call it? As would be expected, uh, prior sudden cardiac arrest survivors are at the highest risk for new cardiac arrest. And uh, we also know that subjects with diagnosed severe heart disease are at high risk for sudden cardiac death. Uh, we also have multiple known markers that associate with increased risk of SCD, uh, but, but the absolute increase in the risk associated with many of these markers are pretty low. And in many cases, they do not have a direct effect to the clinical practice. Uh, in general, in clinical practice, reduced left ventricular ejection fraction is the marker that is primarily used to guide primary preventive therapy with an ICD implantation. However, this group of subjects with uh, a cardiac disease and a reduced left ventricular ejection fraction accounts for only a minor part of the absolute number of SCD events, around 20 to 30%. 
And uh, like I said before, in many cases, the SCD can be the first clinical manifestation of the underlying cardiac disease. So uh, currently, we are unable to predict a major portion of the SCDs. So uh, ECG would be an appealing test for the risk stratification, as it is non-invasive, inexpensive, and uh, widely available. And furthermore, a number of ECG markers have been associated with the SCD risk. So those are already known about, but as you say, I guess each one of those ECG abnormalities in a general population, so without overt heart disease, may have a very low positive predictive value, right? Yeah, that's correct. So what did you do then to try to uh, determine a better marker for sudden cardiac death risk in your study? So uh, the idea was to use uh, these known ECG risk markers and combine them uh, to a risk score that could be easily accessible in clinical practice from a standard 12-lead ECG. So basically, uh, we hypothesized that uh, a person with a multiple abnormal uh, ECG parameters would have an high SCD risk, and uh, that's where we could identify those at the highest SCD risk in the general population. Okay, and what methods did you use to uh, answer this question? So uh, we had a study population uh, that consisted of participants of this cohort called Mini Finland Health Survey, which was conducted in 1978 to 1980. And the cohort consisted of over 7,000 general population adults. And the cohort was representative of the Finnish population. And uh, during the survey, the participants underwent extensive baseline examinations, including health examinations and the standard 12-lead ECG. And then they were followed from national health registers. Okay, and they were followed for, for quite a long time, weren't they? Yeah. So the survey participants were followed from the baseline examinations in 1978 through 1980 until the end of 2011. However, in the primary analysis, we limited the follow-up to 10 years to clarify the role of uh, the ECG in the risk assessment as the overall cardiovascular risk statuses could have changed during a longer follow-up. However, we did use the full follow-up in the secondary analysis also. Okay. And these were, as you say, general patients. So these were people that were uh, general population of Finland, uh, a fairly even gender balance, looking at table one in your paper, and they were basically healthy at baseline. Is, is that fair to say? Well, yeah, it, it was a general population cohort. It was representative of the Finnish population uh, at those years. So yeah, it was a general population cohort. Okay. And uh, you excluded people with significant arrhythmias, right? Like atrial fibrillation, for example, at baseline. Uh, yeah, we excluded subjects who had ECG findings that do, uh, did not represent the general population. For example, high degree AV blocks, ventricular pre-excitation and pacemaker rhythms. And uh, we also excluded subjects with atrial fibrillation, atrial flutter and uh, subjects with left or right bundle branch blocks as uh, these changes would have disturbed the assessment of the ECG parameters used for the scores development. And we'll come on, obviously, to talk about the, the five ECG abnormalities that were, were predictive when combined in the score. But 
So these are people who had paper ECGs because this is the late 1970s. Um, and then I'm assuming you digitized the ECGs. Is that correct? Yeah. So the original ECGs were in paper format. That's correct. And uh, we used a process that was developed by our research group to first digitize these paper ECGs. And uh, then we measured them digitally, uh, which enabled better measuring accuracy compared to normal manual measurements. Okay. And what was the primary and other endpoints of the study after after follow-up? So the primary endpoint was SCD, uh, which was uh, the SCD cases were determined by two cardiologists using all the data from hospital records, death certificates, and autopsy records. And as Finnish law records medical legal investigation when death occurs unexpectedly, around 30% of the deceased survey participants underwent an autopsy. So there were a lot of autopsy records from the participants. For the secondary endpoints, we used non-sudden cardiac death, all-cause mortality, and hospitalization due to cardiac causes. And uh, these endpoints were obtained from the national health registers. And I know Scandinavian countries have a very enviable uh, way of recording and linking uh, health episode outcomes that uh, put many other countries to shame. As you say, most people have a an identification number which is from beginning to end of their life. Is that right? And records hospital uh, episode statistics and death, etc. Yeah, that's correct. We have very good national health registers here, uh, and we have all the diagnoses and and all the hospital discharge uh, data from those. Fantastic. And then I know you had a list uh, in the paper, which everybody uh, should certainly go and read, and I'll put a link to the, the full paper in the description. But you identified quite a few potential ECG abnormalities that were linked with sudden cardiac death from the literature, and then you did a uh, you did a you constructed a model uh, of the top five ones which you then combined into a score um, can you talk a little bit about how you decided on which ecg abnormalities uh, you should include in the model so the basic idea was to use ecg parameters that could be easily accessible in the clinical practice uh and manually if you if you wanted you didn't need any special uh computer software to assess them. Uh, we first assessed 12 ECG markers that have been shown to associate with SCD and cardiac death previously. And we first analyzed which of these markers individually associated with SCD risk in our study populations. And we excluded uh, those markers that did not associate with SCD in, in our population. Next. Uh, we entered the remaining ECG markers that individually associated with SCD simultaneously to a statistical model to find out which of these markers predicted SCD risk independently of each other. Uh, this way, we ended up with the five ECG abnormalities uh, that independently of other abnormalities associated with uh, SCD. And the final uh, ECG risk score consisted of these five abnormalities, which were uh, heart rate over 80, PR duration over 220, uh, QRS duration over 110, left ventricle hypertrophy, and T-wave inversion. Okay, and what did you... Uh, well, let's talk about the baseline characteristics of the kind of patients you enrolled. Um, can you just maybe give us a few 
uh, tasters, indications of the kind of people you had in, in the study? So, uh, no ECG abnormalities were present in 67% uh, of the subjects, and uh, consequently, 33% had one or more ECG abnormalities, and 1.4% uh, of the subjects had three or more of the five ECG abnormalities of the risk score. And uh, well, as would be expected, subjects with more of these EGG abnormalities were older and had more cardiovascular morbidities. For example, uh, they had higher blood pressure and uh, more prevalent uh, the cardiac disease uh, more prevalently. Artu, maybe you can tell us the uh, top line results of the study. Yeah, so the main finding was that the cumulative number of EGG abnormalities used in the score uh, associated with an increasing SCD risk. And subjects with three or more of, of the five ECG abnormalities had a more than tenfold risk for SCD compared to subjects with no ECG abnormalities. And uh, importantly, the ECG risk score uh, associated more strongly with sudden than non-sudden cardiac death. So it was uh, pretty... Uh, I could say specific for sudden cardiac death. And how many patients suffered a, a sudden cardiac death during the the, the follow-up period, roughly? Uh, now I need to check from the tables. <laughs> I can't remember that. Okay, okay. I think yeah. I have it here actually. Uh, let's see. So ninety-six patients had yeah, yeah, three. So. Well, ninety-six patients had three ECG abnormalities at baseline, and uh, as you say, yeah, the sudden cardiac death risk increased progressively with every additional ECG abnormality yeah. and yeah, the hazard ratio was, was 10 um, in those patients with three abnormalities. Um, okay and you also did a very nice uh, validation in a different cohort. Can you talk a little bit about that? So in order to validate these findings uh, we examined the ECG risk scores performance in an external validation cohort which was another Finnish general population cohort and uh, it had over 10,000 uh, participants. Uh, it was uh, the participants of this external validation cohort were a bit younger than the ones uh, of the mini Finland health survey used in the primary analysis. But the main findings in the external validation cohort were uh, uh, pretty similar as in the primary study population and the risk score performed similarly. So again, I think it was about a 10x increase in hazard ratio, wasn't it, for patients who had all three, or three or more, should I say, of the abnormalities? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, and you also tested uh, the calibration um, of the of the test uh, in terms of its predictive value versus observed value. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because it, although visually to me it looked very good, statistically it didn't come out so well. Yeah, so uh, we tested the calibration and uh, discrimination of the risk, mo uh, risk model. And uh, the calibration was tested uh, both visually and from a graph. And uh, in the visual assessment, uh, as you said, the predicted and observed events were relatively similar with some overestimation in the high risk groups. But when assessed statistically with this uh, Greenwood Nam D'Agostino model, uh, the model showed poor calibration, which could have been possibly due to this overestimation in the high risk groups 
and due to a relatively low event rate compared to the uh, large population that we used. However, the main point of the easy-to-risk score uh, was uh, in the identification of the high-risk individuals, meaning the discrimination and uh, the discrimination analysis with, for example, C-statistics were uh, statistically significant. Uh, and we think that uh, that was more important uh, that, uh, compared to the calibration. Okay, so how would you sum up your uh, findings? Uh, what would you say overall uh, was the, the the main finding of the study, the takeaway for people listening? So uh, the combining of, of five ECG parameters uh, that independently associated with ESCD risk uh, was successful at identifying these uh, high-risk uh, general population subjects and they had over 10-fold risk for SCD compared to subjects with no ECG abnormalities. And uh, the model was performed well at discrimination, discriminating uh, low and high SCD risk subjects. And uh, uh, this ECG risk score is an appealing, appealing model to identify these high SCD risk general population subjects. Yeah, absolutely. And the um, the limitations you outline nicely in the paper, and I guess one that to me would have been lovely to have would have been an ejection fraction at baseline, because then you really could see whether a simple ECG or a bunch of simple ECG measures stacked up as well as we know the you know pretty good predictor of low ejection fraction. But obviously, that wasn't possible in the late 1970s. Yeah, that's that's correct. And it was unfortunate that we did not have that data. And so we couldn't assess, for example, that how the model would have performed among subjects with reduced and subjects with preserved left ventricular ejection fraction. Yeah, absolutely. What would you like to do next uh, with this work, R2? So in the future, I think the next step would be to investigate how we could reduce the SCD incidence in these high-risk general population subjects identified with the ECG risk score. For example, should they undergo some diagnostic tests to identify the underlying cardiac disease that is ultimately accountable for the SCD risk? Or should they undergo other more extensive risk assessment methods, such as echocardiographic study, to further certify their SCD risk to find those at the highest risk that would benefit from preventive therapies? In my opinion, these would be some interesting questions that could be studied in the future. And do you know of any other work, either in your group or in other areas of, of the world where this kind of uh, study is, kind of work is being done, maybe with a machine learning approach to, to, to digest the ECGs digitally and come up with other markers of risk? Well, I think there is a growing interest uh, to these kind of uh, ECG risk score kind of things. And uh, I know some, of, some, some works that have been done in different population and and some in case control uh, studies and I uh, the machine learning I think it's going to be a big thing also in the future in this uh, risk stratification thing. Absolutely, and now you could do it yourself, I guess, because you've digitized all those ECGs, so uh, <laughs> you could yeah. feed, feed them through a CNN model and see what see what comes up, see whether it identifies the same parameters that you identified yourself but uh, no it's fascinating well yeah, yeah. Th 
Thank you very much for your time, uh, R2. I'll, as I say, I'll put a link to the uh, study in the uh, in the show notes, and the study will be will be free for a period of time after release of the podcast. And I want to thank you for joining me today on the podcast to discuss the paper. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Thank you.